church, I'm Will, the worship pastor here at North. We really appreciate you joining us today. If today is your first time at North, please fill out the Connect card you receive in your bulletin and place it in the offering bucket as you leave today. One of us will reach out to you with a call, text, or email later this week to thank you for visiting us. We're actually out getting a little va- <laughs> Okay. We're actually out on a vacation, but don't worry. We're going to check out the live stream, and we're looking forward to being back with you next week. As always, if there's any way we can serve you today, please stop by the Next Steps table on your way out, and someone will be happy to assist you. Have a great day, and enjoy the service. Good morning, church family. We get to start off service the right way uh, again this week. We're excited about what God's doing in our life. We've got some that have made decisions for Christ through VBS, and as well as our student ministry uh, as well. And so we are excited to be able to baptize four from the same family uh, today. So if uh, Haven, if you'll come on. Haven made a decision for Christ in our youth service a while back and got to talk with Joseph and Lauren. And so uh, she's excited about what God's doing in her life. And I'll tell you what, Shay, would you turn this way? There you go. Perfect. All righty. And so we're excited about what God's doing in Haven's life as well. Haven, have you received Christ as our Lord and Savior? Amen, sweetie. Well, because of that profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Raised in newness of life. Amen, sweetheart. Amen. All right, next we've got Cade. I got to talk to Cade personally when, we, uh, when he made a decision for Christ at our VBS. Case, I'm sorry, Case. I'm so sorry, man. Case. I told him to keep me straight. It's a lot, some names I had to remember today. So, uh, but Case, we're excited about what God's done in your heart and life, buddy. And have you received Christ as our Lord and Savior? Amen. Well, because of that profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Raised in newness of life. Amen, buddy. Amen. All right. And now we got Harper. Come on, Miss Harper. She also made a decision for Christ in our VBS. Her and her sister, and so we're, we're excited about what God's done. Harper, have you received Christ as our Lord and Savior? Amen. Well, because of that profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Washed in the blood of Jesus, raised in newness of life. Amen, sweetie. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Miss Hiley. Come on, Miss Hiley. Got a traffic jam back here. All right, Miss Hiley, have you received Christ as our Lord and Savior? Amen, sweetie. Because of that profession of faith, I baptize you as my sister in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Washed in the blood of Jesus, raised in newness of life. Amen. 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 Amen, church. Man, thankful for what God's doing. I hope you are as well. Doesn't happen all the time. Doesn't happen everywhere. But we're excited about what God, how God has added to our church each and every week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the ordinance of baptism. We thank you for the way that you've given us to worship you today in this way. And Father, we pray as we continue to worship, God, in your word, as we worship through song, God, that you will be glorified and lifted up in every single way. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. In church, stand and worship with us.
Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come here before you and offer praise and glory to you, Father. Most deserve it. Father, we pray today, Lord, that the message Alan leads with us, that you'll hide him behind the cross, Lord, and that you'll help us to understand it, apply it to our lives, Lord, and take it outside this church. But, Father, the only way the outside will change is if we change. So we got to be that example. Father, we thank you for all things. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. As the video said, we are in our Untouchables series. We've talked about a series, a lot of different things that for one reason or another are things that many churches, many pastors, we just don't feel comfortable talking about. We, uh, we avoid at certain points, and so we will continue that series on through uh, August the 1st. And so I want you to continue to tune in with us as we do that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139. Uh, we've talked about uh, a multitude of different things. We've talked about money. Uh, we had an awesome interview with one of our church family, uh, one of our families in our church, uh, about money and finances. We've talked uh, about racism. We've talked uh, about a variety of different things that we as a church sometimes just don't deal with. We've talked a little bit about church politics and power struggles and things like that in our church. Uh, and then last week, we began made a shift to talk about sin and in fact specific sins in our life and so last week we talked about pornography sexual sin and those sorts of things if you miss that you can go back and find it on Facebook uh, we uh, where I got an opportunity to share my testimony uh, with the church through that and so uh, we appreciate the response that there's been to that but as we move through this untouchable series we find ourselves dealing with things that all of us struggle with. So as a pastor, it was, it's incumbent on me as a pastor who's been given watch care over the church to touch on the tough topics that are not easy to address. And so this week, we get the opportunity to hear another testimony. Uh, we get to hear a testimony from my bride, from Rebecca. Uh, she gets, she's going to be sharing her testimony in an area that God has dealt with her on in an area of insecurities. So y'all check out this video and we'll continue on. So being um, secure in who I am and how God saw me wasn't really something that was modeled for me at home. I didn't really have that, that foundation. Um, I remember being around 11 years old and being worried about what clothes I was wearing to school and what others might think of my my clothing or whatever um, so I remember that from a very early age I was 14 when I got saved I remember 
feeling God calling me forward during youth group one night. I was absolutely certain of it, but I still remember in the back of my mind having that thought of what is everybody going to think? You know, what are, I'm walking in front of all these people, you know, and wondering what they're thinking and being insecure about being in front of them. I didn't really fully understand my worth in Christ for many years to come. School was rough for me, uh, thanks to all my insecurities. I was very, very shy in school. I didn't talk much. I was picked on a lot, which didn't help the insecurities much at all. It just fueled the flames of, you know, not wanting to talk, not wanting to be in front of people, just kind of being my own, you know, by myself. Relationships were hard because of, uh, because of my insecurities, I put a lot of self-worth through whoever I was dating at the time and not seeing my self-worth through Christ. Even though I'd been saved for a few years, I never saw my insecurities as something that was hindering my relationship with God. So I didn't actually see the dangers of my insecurities until I was actually married to Alan. I went into our marriage thinking that I wouldn't struggle with insecurities anymore because I wasn't single and I, I had found somebody that loved me unconditionally for who I was. And so I thought all those insecurities and struggles would be gone, but in reality they weren't. Satan still threw things in our path that made me struggle with my insecurities. And I had to come to a point that I realized in our marriage that Alan wasn't going to be able to fix those insecurities for me. I, I had to go to God to fix those insecurities. So first I had to learn that my insecurities were a sin. God created us in His image, um, and we need to see that. I believe we have three enemies that we have to learn to recognize and we have to learn to fight against, and that's the world, our flesh, and the devil. When we understand what insecurities really are and where they come from, it's easier to fight against. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it tells us to hold every thought captive to the obedience of God. When that one little thought sneaks into your mind telling me that I'm not good enough, I don't look good enough, whatever that insecurity might be for the day, I have learned to take that thought captive in Christ um, and compare it to what Christ says about who I am in Him. Satan loves to try and trick us with lies. In John 8:44, Satan is known as the father of lies. You know, and think about what Satan used to trick Eve in the Garden of Eden. He didn't use a gun, he didn't use a knife, he used lies. And it was a lie that appealed to her insecurity. He asked Eve, did, did God really say not to eat from that tree? But he knew what God said. He just wanted to cause doubt and confusion in Eve's mind. And that's what he does today for, for me and for a lot of us. Every time I look in the mirror, every time I lead a Bible study that I feel so ill-equipped to lead, every time I wonder if I'm a good wife or I'm, you know, when I put my kids to bed at night and that guilt sneaks up of if I was a good mother that day, that's all lies from Satan. I have found it so incredibly important in my struggles with insecurity to constantly be in the Word and reading and learning about what He says about me as a child of God. And I also have found that having an accountability partner, somebody that I can go to, somebody that will be honest with me and that I trust, and somebody that will be like, are you in the Word or are you just in your emotions right now? That 
that has really helped me to take that thought captive, those lies captive that come from Satan, and to see how I am in the image of Christ. That's a good looking lady right there. Insecure. Um, all right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for, uh, God, this testimony. I thank you for my wife and her willingness to share, uh, God, with, with our people, uh, Lord, a uh, very real struggle in her life. And God, I just pray that you'd use it in a powerful way. You use your word as you do. Uh, God, that your word is unique from everything, every other work of literature, and that you desire to transform us through your word. God, I pray that you'd uh, be with us today, and, and, and Lord, I pray that you'd use this testimony, uh, God, to, to make a kingdom impact, uh, Lord, in the lives of so many today. God, we love you, and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. So when I think about this idea of insecurity, we, we paint with broad strokes. We, we, we tend to equate lust and things like that. We tend to equate that to guys, and for probably decent reason. But in the areas of insecurity, we, we paint it to be female. I want you to understand uh, that I believe all of us at different times probably deal with any variety of these things. So this may be something that is particular bondage for you, but I want you to know that I believe there's stuff in here. What, what you will hear today from God's word is truth regardless of what we're going through. What I believe to be the case, when, when you talk about private sin, uh, an area of lust and pornography, those kind of things, I never had to be told those things were wrong. I knew it. I knew it right off the bat. When I, from the first time to the last time, I, I knew that, that it was wrong. And I think most people would recognize this to be wrong. So there's a stigma to it, to, to that particular sin. For this sin, for the sin of insecurities, there's another problem that I believe we have to tackle first. And what I believe that problem to be is that I think insecurity, instead of being recognized for what it is as sin, it almost gets chalked up to somebody's personality. It's just how I am. I, I'm made this way. I'm, I'm made to worry about how I look. I'm made to be insecure and in thinking about what people think of me. I'm, this is the way God made me. And what we're going to see through Scripture is that this is departing from God's perfect design for us. And so this is falling short of the glory of God in this area of our life. There's many areas, uh, and, and, and insecurity is just one of them, but there's many areas today that the world would blame God for something that man messed up, right? To say, I, God made me this way, so I will love whomever I, I want, or, or whatever I want, you can't tell me it's love, right? You can't tell me who to love and who not to love. God didn't make us that way. This is something that was an effect of sin. And so, whereas last week we talked about something that is usually, in most people's mind, blatantly obvious, there's much more subtlety in this area. And so, we want to talk about what God, how God views us and then we want to see it in light of Christ because that 
changes everything. So first, in Psalms 139, the first thing that we're going to talk about, you ready? This is a, this is a super foundational, super deep truth. Are you ready? God knows you. It's good, right? God knows you. God knows you. What we're talking about, and when we talk about God's knowledge of us, we see the initiative of God's love toward us. God knows who we are, and he loves us the same. Listen to what Psalms 139.1 says. O Lord, you have searched me, and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. And then he reaches a conclusion. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I can not attain it. One of the most beautiful names to me in God's word that are names associated with who God is is the name El Roy. Now, not the kid from the Jetsons, all right, different. L-R-O-I, El Roy, the God in Hebrew, the God El Roy, who, is, who sees me. When you read the story in Genesis chapter 21 of a woman by the name of Hagar, and Hagar was the handservant, the maidservant to Sarah. And God had told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. The problem was Abraham didn't have any kids. And so Sarah, his wife, took it upon herself to make things happen. Well, I can't produce offspring. I'm barren, so let me give you my maidservant, Hagar. And so as backwards, as twisted as it sounds, the maidservant went in to be with Abraham, they had a son together. His name was Hagar. But over the course of time, God's plan was revealed that Hagar would not be the child of promise, but it would be, in fact, Abraham and Sarah at the ripe old age of 90 would give birth to a son named Isaac. And Isaac would be the child of blessing. Well, Sarah became very insecure now about this woman who has a son by her husband who could possibly threaten all that God had promised to Abraham. And so Sarah tells Abraham, get her and that kid out of here. And so that's what they do. Abraham sends this servant off with her son. He gives him a little bit of food and a little bit of water. And quickly in the desert, as you might imagine, they run out. And so Hagar is literally has placed her son underneath a bush to die, has walked away so that he would not hear her crying, would not be alarmed, and she begins to pray. And through the course of time, she looks back up. She speaks to God, one of the very few people in all of Scripture who speak directly to God. She speaks to God, and when she looks up, she sees a well. 
God supernaturally provided water for Hagar and Ishmael, her son, and God would, in fact, build a great nation. Now, they would be, con- they would be contrary to Israel in a lot of ways, but God made a respectively great nation out of Hagar and Ishmael. And through that experience, Hagar calls God El Roy. He is the God that sees me. Literally, Hagar had been cast out by all social inventions that she knew. She'd been cast out by the the family that she served. She'd been cast out by her friends. She was literally in the middle of the desert by herself. No one saw her, but God did. God saw her, and more than just saw her, God knew her. God recognized her and was aware of her. We hear facts. We hear things in God's word. Like God knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We serve a God who we can't fool into believing we're something better than we're not. We can't fool him. Now listen, I have said this before. I am about the least discerning human being I know. You can fool me about who you are. You you truly can My wife may be a little more difficult. I get some of my discernment from her. Hey, what do you think of them? Because I think they're great. Well, actually, they're an axe murderer. You know, like, but seriously, I have no discernment. And so if you tell me you're great, well, I'm just going to believe you. Awesome. This person's great, right? I have no discernment in that. You can hide who you really are from me, but you can't hide from the God who sees you, the God who is intricately aware of everything about you. And so the first thing that we see is God knows us. He's aware of us. He was aware of David. David says, look, you know my actions. You know when I rise. You know when I sit down. You know when I lie down. You know you are acquainted with all my ways. But more than just my actions, you know my thoughts. You know the thoughts that I think even before I think them. You know every thought. You discern my thoughts from afar. Whereas I might be able to read my wife's mind if we're close and I can see her face or I can hear what somebody says and I know it triggered something in her. I can know what she's thinking. God from a far off can know our thoughts. But more than just our actions, more than just our thoughts, he also says, you're the God who's behind me. What is, it, what is he saying? You're the God who knows my past. You know where I've been. You know what I've done. You know all the things that would otherwise disqualify me. You know all the things I'm insecure about. You're behind me. But then he also says, you're not just behind me, you're before me. That he goes before. He knows the future. He can declare the end from the beginning. And so he's saying, oh God, you know me better than I know myself. You know not only my past, but you know who I will be one day. You know the failures that I will commit. You know the things that will happen. You know me all Together, And you know what he says? Verse 5. That knowledge is too great for me. For God to continue to hang with David after knowing all the junk he did, after knowing all the thoughts he thought, after knowing all that he has done in the past, and after knowing what he would do in the future, God stuck with David. You know what David's saying? The same thing he says in Psalms 8. What is man that you are mindful of me? 
He's understanding that there is nothing that I have to bring to the table. I have blown it in every area of my life. You're a God who knows me, but you still remain with me. I am still your anointed to lead the people of Israel. And it was baffling to David. You know all of my flaws, but you love me the same. We need to understand in here that God, we have hidden hidden nothing from God. We've hidden nothing from him. And the fact that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us, proves to us the initiating love of God toward us. God didn't wait for you to get pretty. God didn't wait for you to clean yourself up. God saw you as you are, and he initiated love towards you. God knows us. Number two, God knew you. God doesn't just know us. He knew us. This speaks of God's love toward us, where the first is of God's intentional love toward us, This, or, or of his initiating love toward us. This speaks of God's intentional love for us. Every one of us in this place were intentionally placed here by God. God created us with intention. Listen to what it says in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You hear in the intentionality, right? You knit me together. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Listen to the intentionality. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. You know what he's saying? God, not only did you do you love me now for who I am, which is crazy, but you knew me before I was. You knew me before existence. Now, when I think of, of the love of a father, I think about my love for my sons and my daughter. But specifically, the one that made me a dad, Cooper. And I'll never forget when he was born. Now, he, he was premature and he was having issues breathing. And I remember, man, as soon as he was born and the doctors began rushing him over to begin working on him, making, trying to get him to breathe. And I, I remember the panic that I felt. I remember the panic that, I, that swept over my body when I'm watching him struggle to breathe, wishing there was something I could do, some way I could give him breath and rescue him from what he was going through. I didn't know what the outcome was at the time, but I loved my son. I remember the day we found out that we were going to be parents. Very unexpected. We found out. We were at a dock in the box there to get my wife a Z-Pack because she'd been sick for a while. And uh, we found out we were having a child. And I remember that night going to sleep, knowing that my son was being knit together in his mother's womb. And I remember going to bed and having dreaming of playing ball with my son. That dream became a reality. I've played ball with, with I remember that the very, I loved him the moment I knew he existed. You know what, you know what David says about us? How one of the ways that his love surpasses ours is that he loved us before we ever existed. He loved us before we were, right? How can you love something that doesn't exist? God loved us before we were ever things. You, the days that were formed for me, even uh, when as yet there was none of them. I didn't have any days, and you still loved me. 
So he doesn't just know us and love us. He's known us and he loved us with intentionality. As I heard one pastor friend of mine say, God has created all of us with purpose for a purpose. If God intentionally created us and he intentionally created us to live intentionally, to live with a purpose and he had a plan for our life. And so when we begin to look at the things that are unlovely in us, we begin to look at the things that might otherwise disqualify us. We got to understand when we see ourselves in light of someone else, we admire traits in someone that we don't have in ourselves, areas that they're strong and we are weak. And we begin to assign value to those things. We miss the point that God created us not to, I, He created me not to be you and for you not to be me, but for us together to serve His purpose. And so God created us. With intention. I found this. The first sermon I ever preached, uh, I, I, I went through this reminder. And I believe it was given to me by one of my mentors. I don't know who. But listen to this. This is so good. Whenever you feel like God cannot use you. Because that's what we do, right? If we take all of our inadequacies and say, God, here's all the reasons why you can't use me. Right? I'd love to do that. I'd love to volunteer for this. But you can't use me because dot, dot, dot. Whenever you feel like God cannot use you, just remember. Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph, a little harsh, Joseph was ab abused, at least she was not as pretty as her sister, uh, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hair and was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was suicidal, Isaiah preached naked, talk about an object lesson, that's why he did it. Go back and read it. Man, the Bible's full of interesting stuff. He preached naked because it was an illustration. I won't do that, I promise. All right? Jonah, unless God tell no, nah, probably not. All right. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ three times. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene was promiscuous. The Samaritan woman was divorced and living with someone. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And hey, by the way, Lazarus was dead, right? Everybody had reasons to be unused by God. But in every one of these cases, God used them for eternal glory. God used them for kingdom purposes. So you were created intentionally for intention. God's love toward you was intentional to create you the way that you are to serve a purpose. Because to hate the creation is to hate the creator who made it. Now we can associate that between interpersonal relationships. To hate another brother is to hate the creator that made them. But to hate ourself and to accuse God of making a mistake with us is to hate the creator who made us with love intentionally and has pursued us in the state that we were in. To love, to hate the creator is to reject and to hate the creator. So lingering feelings of inadequacy and insecurity 
Don't buy the lie that that's you being selfless. In fact, what you are doing is emphasizing yourself over what God has done for you. He is, you are emphasizing who you are instead of who God is. You are emphasizing what you can't do instead of what God can do through you. You are operating outside of faith. And I'm telling you, the church is full of people who are crippled by all the things that they think they can't do. Because here's a list of reasons why. God hasn't made any mistakes. We have. But God hasn't made a mistake. Insecurity focuses on what you can't do rather than what God has done for you. And so would you rather be identified as somebody who was always described by what they thought of themselves or by what a holy God thought of you? How would you rather be known? How would you rather live your life? Thirdly and finally, we see God's, we see, uh, God's uh, in, intentional love toward us. We saw first that his initiating love toward us, but we also see his investing his love in us, right? He has invested in us, proving his love for us. Thirdly, God wants you to know him. God wants you to know him. Now, I've given you theological truth that, we, that God sees you a certain way, that God loves you despite your inadequacies, that God loves us all. And let's just get it. Look, we all got things that we should be insecure about outside of Christ. We all have those things. We all have things that disqualify us. But God wants you to know him more than just detailing a report of who God is God desires for you to respond listen to Psalms 119 verse 17 how precious to me are your thoughts O God how vast is the sum of them if I would count them they are more than the sand I awake and I am still with you here in this passage, we see a transition, a clear transition in thought. He is detailing who God is and what God has done and how God has done it and how we can't get away from God and how God's knowledge is too great. And he's, he's, he's reporting on who God is. What we see in verse 17 is a clear change of idea to he begins responding personally to who God is. Not reporting anymore, but this is what it means to me. How precious to me are your thoughts. Oh God, how vast is the sum of them, right? He's responding, but he goes on. Verse 23, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. God, I desire to respond to everything that you are to me. And here's what I want you to do. Search me. Look within me as you know me better than I know myself. And I want you to identify sin in my life so that I can repent. Not so that I can use that sin to create all of the reasons why you can't use me. But in order to be used by you, let me find, find out my sin. Let me repent of my sin. Let me turn from my sin so that you can continue to use me. You see, God didn't mess us up. We did. 
God's plan was perfect from the beginning. God looked at creation and said, it is good. And for a perfect God to look at something and say, it's good, guess what it's got to be? Perfect. God created us perfectly. It is us that have strayed. And so what I'm saying is don't begin to ignore the sin in your life. David said, listen, I have all this value in my relationship with Christ, in my connection with God. And so when we put on the spectacles of the New Testament, we begin to look at things in light of what Jesus has really done for us. When we understand the investment, listen, David was God's anointed and God's presence was with David. God had invested in David, but God's investment in us is so much more spectacular. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but had everlasting life. David said, God, lead me in the way of everlasting. He's provided that way for us. He's provided the way to everlasting for us through the sacrifice of his son on the cross. And so listen to this. This is the point of everything that we're talking about today. Our insufficiencies, our insufficiencies, our insecurities, our insufficiencies are only useful in as much as they lead us to Jesus. Let me say it again. Your inadequacies, the things that you would want to hide, the sins that you deal with, whatever they are, whether it's feelings of inadequacy or whether it's um, any sin that we've addressed or something else in your life, our insufficiencies are only useful in as much as they lead us to Jesus. But when Jesus gets involved... It's no longer about how bad you are. It's no longer about how insufficient you are. It is about how sufficient he is. He's changed the game. Paul would tell the church of Corinth, brothers, not that I'm sufficient in anything in myself. What's he saying? I got plenty to be insecure about. I'm not sufficient in any way. In myself. Matter of fact, he had lived his whole life trying to be sufficient in himself. He had learned all the Bible verses. He had memorized all the laws. He had persecuted the church, the people that he thought was against God. He had tried his whole life. But he says this. Brothers, I don't count anything as being sufficient in myself. But all of my sufficiency is from God. Our insufficiencies are only useful in as much as they bring us to Jesus. Once we have an encounter with Jesus, it's not our insufficiencies anymore. It's his sufficiency. It's changed everything. So for us to continue to be saddled with feelings of inadequacy, for us to detail all the reasons why God can't use us and God would disqualify us from whatever ministry or whatever impact that he would have for us to make on the kingdom is to be ultimately selfish. You've made Christianity about yourself, not about the one who has made you perfect in him. What did we just sing? In Christ alone. My hope is found. 
Not in my beauty. Not in my parenting skills. Not in my marriage. Not in any relationship with a boy or a girl. Not in my identity of who I am as a person. In Christ alone is where my hope is found. And I just believe that many of us live a life of defeat when God has called us to live in light of his victory. And so today as we enter a time of invitation, I want you to understand that God has called you to find your sufficiency in him. So you may be in here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ. I want you to know you'll never know sufficiency. You'll never, never know what it's like to meet all of your needs and to have everything the way you want. Because that's a lie from the world. That doesn't happen. You can't do it on your own. But Christ, God has invested his love in you. He's initiated it. He's been intentional with it in how he made you. And he has protected it with his investment of his son's blood. That's how much God values you. And if you would respond in faith today, if you would respond to that sufficiency, God can make you whole. Not that you'll be perfect. My goodness, y'all. If you think I'm perfect, boy, you have another. Just talk to my wife, all right? She'll tell you more testimony of how I ain't, all right? If, if, if last week didn't do it for you, I don't know what else will. Uh, bottom line, God has... Is my substitute. All that I am is in him. And so my theme is not a theme of defeat. Mine is a theme of victory that was won for me on the cross. So why would I live any other way? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I don't know what this response time looks like for you. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, I would encourage you. Man, quit trying so hard to do it on your own and just recognize you can't and fall into the arms of the one who can. We would love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Christ. We've got counselors that are here. I'm here at the front. Would love to talk to you. When I say amen, you can get up from your seat, find the center aisle, come right to me. I'd love to talk to you about any decision that you need to make today. Maybe you're here and maybe you are saddled with some of that guilt. You have seen yourself as the world would see. You've seen yourself as your flesh would see. You have seen yourself BC, before Christ. But in light of Christ, you're more. I pray that you would find your worth in him. Maybe you need to come do business here at this altar. Maybe you need to pray. Give some things over to the Lord. Maybe you need to join this church, maybe you need to follow as the example of these four at the beginning of this service. Maybe you need to get your baptism in order. Whatever decision you need to make, don't leave. Don't leave this place without doing business with God. Let him do in you what he desires to do. Quit being selfish and holding it in and keeping it all to yourself. Give it over to him and watch what he can do. Father, be in this invitation. We worship you. We thank you for what you're going to do, Lord, as we align ourselves humbly, humbly in light of your love for us. God, I pray for one that needs to respond to you. Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Would you stand to your feet?
sing, would you come? This time is for you. Forget about who's around. Would you respond today? I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation. Would you come? Would you come? To let it all go. I see it now, laying it down. I know that I need you. Run to the Father, fall into grace. Done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I Continue, would you come? You saw my condition, had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption, a prize for my heart. I don't have a contest for that. you understood and understood what he has done for you. He's run toward you, church. So it just makes sense to run toward him. Amen. Y'all can be seated. We've got a couple announcements for you guys, and then we will be dismissed. All right. Morning, North family. It's Joseph. I've got a couple things for you before we leave. First, our women's ministry luncheon is happening on July 24th at 12 p.m. This is a free event for ladies of all ages, so please sign up by next Sunday, July 18th. You can do this by following the link in your bulletin or stop by the next steps table. Next, we have our Tuscaloosa mission trip coming up July 31st through August 1st. We're helping our mission partner down in Tuscaloosa with a block party and assisting their mobile church service on Sunday morning. 
The only cost is hotel and food, and there are only four spots left, so sign up today if you want to come. And finally, we're changing our childcare options starting in August. We'll offer full preschool and children's church during both our 9 and 10.30 service times. Our vision is to create two identical service options that are ideal for any family to attend. But this can't happen without extra volunteers, so consider signing up to help. That's all we have for today. We hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time. All right, so what's up? We are at Point Mallard, and we are going to give you all the information you need uh, for family night here at Point Mallard based off of what number this group gives us. The number they give us, we're going to go down this sign, and we're going to do the next announcement based off the number they give us to match with this sign. All right, and y'all chosen which number? Three. 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 Where are you guys from? Decatur. Decatur. All right, that's a long ways away. We're glad you guys are out here at Point Mallard today. They chosen three. Three is one, two, three, the Olympic pool. So we're on the way to the Olympic pool to give you our first announcement. All right, so we want to invite you out Sunday night, August the 8th, from 6.30 to 9.30 here at Point Mallard in Decatur, Alabama. Hope to see everybody there. Hey, and now we've got uh, some park staff here to let us know uh, our next stop and our announcements. And I'm here with? Cameron Harris. Cameron. Cameron, tell me, uh, pick a number 217. Let's go with five. Five. All right. That is, oh, good choice. The Sky Pond. We'll see you there. So we're going to have two tickets free per family. And after that, the tickets are going to cost you $10 per person. All right, and so I'm gonna get my next marching orders from this lady right here. Tell us your name. Gretchen Crump. All right, Gretchen, so you need to pick a number between one and seven, and it's gonna be where I'm gonna be presenting our next announcements. Okay, number four. Number four, all right, so one, two, three, four. I will be at the Duck Pond. Thank you so much, Miss Gretchen. You're welcome. And so with your two free tickets, we want you to be really intentional. If you've got a family or some friends that God has laid on your heart that you want to see be a part of what we're doing here, give them those free tickets and then you go ahead and buy those tickets at full price to $10 for you and the rest of your family. Guys, we got a few complaints about some horseplay in the pools. I don't know, but we gotta ask y'all to leave. That's not tolerated here. Y'all make plans to join us on August 8th. And what this is, I mean, we're actually going to rent out the whole water park, and us and the other two campuses of Lindsay Lane will be together uh, all after uh, at the park after dark, as I like to say it. Tickets will be on sale next Sunday. So grab those two tickets for your family, give them to some of your friends, and then get a couple more tickets for you and your kids. Uh, come out and just have a great time with us on August the 8th at Point Mallard. 
Uh, it is the time in the service where we uh, give our offerings and tithes back to the Lord. If you are a guest with us, you should know we never ask our guests to give in cash or check, uh, but that is a responsibility that the Lord has given to His church. Uh, so I, uh, if you came prepared to give in cash or check, you can use the envelopes in the chair backs in front of you. There's a couple other ways you can give. You can text North Give to 31996. You can also give online at lindsaylanenorth.org. Um, and if you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. You can give to the address at the bottom of the screen if you prefer to give in cash or check. All right, on your way out, stop by the Next Steps table. Find out how you can get plugged into what's going on. The ladies' ministry luncheon is next Saturday, so sign up for that if you haven't already. We've got the Tuscaloosa mission trip. Stop by and see how you can get signed up for that. And anything else you need to know about what we're doing, uh, stop by and let us know. All right, that is it. Y'all have a great week. Y'all are dismissed.